podcast. I'm Jen. And I'm Kat. And today we are going to extend off of our last episode and break down the paths of yoga. So just to give you a little insight, last episode, we delved into the eight limbs of yoga, which falls under one path of yoga. We went into the yamas and niyamas, and today we're going to give you an even wider zoom out of the different paths and then really break down where those eight limbs fit into it with an emphasis on the asana practice, which is probably what you picture when you think of a yoga class, just because that is how we have created yoga in the Western culture. Kat, you want to break down our four past and then we'll delve in. Absolutely. So yoga, um, it literally translates to the word yoke or union. It's union of the body, mind, soul, and spirit. It's rediscovering who we are and returning to a life of joy, bliss, and freedom. And I like to break it down in a really simple way when, when it comes to the four paths of yoga. The first path that we'll talk about today is Raja Yoga. Raja Yoga, it encompasses Samadhi, which is doing nothing. So that's like the goal of yoga, the final step of Raja Yoga. Uh, Second, we'll talk about Bhakti Yoga. Bhakti is all about feeling. It's all about love. And we're really excited to talk with you about this one because it holds a special place in our hearts. Mm -hmm. Third, we will talk with you about Karma Yoga. Karma is the action of yoga. So it's taking yoga off your mat and actually doing things to serve. And then finally, we will touch on jnana yoga. Jnana yoga is all about thinking, knowledge, and wisdom, studying yoga. So to start us off with raja yoga, raja means the royal path. It's the path of meditation, mantras, and other techniques And really the basic theme of Raja Yoga is that your perception of the divine self is obscured by the disturbances of the mind. The body and mind can be made still and pure. The self will instantaneously shine forth. And it's the path that most of us here in the West favor because it it can be practiced pretty much by everyone requiring no belief or particular faith heading into it. So Jen, do you want to start us off um, with asanas? Absolutely. I like to picture like a family tree and you can see all of these different different families that will fall into one path. So Raja Yoga really is at like the base root of a lot of the practices that we hear and see in kind of the more modern or westernized yoga. So Talking about asana, I think my original background before anything would have come onto my path at all, I went to a Bikram studio that was in town in Daytona Beach, and it was the craziest thing I had ever experienced. I went into this studio not knowing what to expect. I was in like a 103 degree room and I went through these 26 postures and you leave and you just feel like you just went on the biggest journey. And I was really hooked to that. So I started going all of the time. I think for about two years, I was 
Bikram heavy. And the funniest part is because I just had so little knowledge on what yoga actually was. I didn't think anything else existed. Like I thought that was yoga was going into the 103 degree room doing those 26 postures with a teacher up front. And I just didn't even know there was more to that. I got invited to go to one other studio and I actually started seeing what is another style, which is called vinyasa. Um, that was completely foreign to me. I think I did a few classes there and then really branched into Ashtanga, which is another set series where you see 75 postures done really consistently. So those were like the three types that were really at my origin and yeah, that was really where I first started connecting with the asana practice. I do think when I went into Ashtanga is when I also started learning a lot more about meditation and chanting. I think that lineage stuck a little bit more with what would have been one of the original paths. It brought a lot of reference back to the origins of yoga, which Bikram did not. And if you've seen, there's definitely a Netflix documentary. Bikram has a dark um, path. I did not know until I entered the yoga world that Bikram, actually the man who started it, is had really done some terrible things to his students. It is definitely not a respected branch of yoga anymore. But I think for me, it got me at least within the practice. And I remember I really enjoyed it because you never put weight through your hands. So I felt like it was really accessible to other bodies. But I've also now learned that that was kind of the one of the worst probably starting points for yoga um, and have since then definitely delved into some other styles. What about you, Kat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could talk about these different types of asana practice all freaking day. Uh Um, Yeah, to carry on with Bikram a little bit more. I mean, to give a little like note, I find that whatever brings you to your mat is kind of how you're meant to arrive. Mm -hmm. And yes, Bikram's shitty. Like he's a <laughs> shitty man. <laughs> like not a not a good person. Yeah. Um. Definitely watch the docu- documentaries on Netflix. I read this book called Hellbent, uh, which was all about from a student's perspective, mm-hmm. someone who went to Bikram's yoga teacher training, which costs thousands and thousands of dollars. Um. It's in person. You have to take all your work off for like a full month at a time. And he he's you know he's just like a man, and he. <laughs> He wants to be worshipped. His and he ego. Kind of, the ego. <laughs> yes. yes. It's wild. It's really, really wild. A lot of toxicity, a lot of sexual abuse. Um, so that's what we mean by he did a lot of bad things to his students. And the teachers were pretty intense on their students. And I actually think it was funny because I think for me, I really liked that harsh discipline at the beginning. This was before I had done a lot of self-reflection and I wanted to like prove to the teachers I was worthy. So there was a lot coming up on the mat on, oh yeah, wanting to impress those teachers. I think in retrospect, looking back, yeah. There was definitely a lot of issues I still had to unpack. Yeah, it's a super interesting lineage because um, like not only is it named after its creator, Bikram, it's um, there are a few other types of yoga as well that follow suit. But um, this one's very particular. It follows a script. So everyone who participates in yoga teacher training, they have to memorize it and teach the same, you know, 26 postures in the same order on a carpet. Um carpeted floor in front of a mirror. So there's like definitely particular parameters that you need in order to be able to call it a Bikram studio. So 
Absolutely. That's our two cents on Bikram. (laughs) Um, Moving into vinyasa. Vinyasa is my preferred um, like lineage of, of yoga, of asana practice. It literally translates in Sanskrit to to place in a special way. Vinyasa. And I just love how many different variations of vinyasa practice there are. There's power vinyasa. There's, you know, hot yoga. Um, But really vinyasa yoga for me, it's what I love about it is it's syncing up your breath and movement and having some sort of flow in between. It really feels like a moving meditation for me and my dance background, I find really gets uh, happy when I'm when I'm flowing in a vinyasa class and there's all the flexibility for freedom. There's no prescribed movements, um, really just like flexible to choose what you want with what music you want. And yeah, it's, it's very expressive. And I think that's why it's become quickly the most popular type of asana practice here in the West. Yeah. And then one other type to go into. So I would say I teach rather than a vinyasa style. I think I have a little bit of that, but I really was inspired by Iyengar who really helped. He had a lot of issues growing up. He had a lot of physical pain in his body. He went through a lot of disability. And for him, when he tried to do these traditional postures, he was very limited in being able to grow from the asana practice. So he started really being the first teacher that was factoring in like walls and stools and straps and blocks and blankets and bolsters and really using those equipments to find what works for each particular body and what you need to get into an alignment that feels good in your body, but also doesn't stir up so much physical pain that you aren't really able to get into that flow state because you're worried. And I think because of my physical therapy background, I am very prop heavy when I teach and I am very, I'm very much watching my students to make sure the form is somewhat there just because I know so much about injury and so much about how people even have experience going to yoga class and having it hurt them and thinking that they shouldn't do it anymore. When in reality, it has been made very accessible and there are so many options and variations. And a lot of those we can thank Iyengar for being the the door to making it accessible for all body types as well yeah incredibly alignment focused and Mm -hmm. I think that just makes complete sense why (laughs) that's your jam Jen I can't (laughs) let it go I'm a watchful eye whether I want to be or not (laughs) yeah I think that's so great and um it's really we share all of these practices with you so that you can explore them and really recommend that you try them all on we'll share a couple more with you um but really tap into that headspace of like, which have I tried? What did I really like about each ones? Um, what's, what's my best fit? So mm-hmm. you can uh, further explore that and find your joy. So um, my style is more so like I do cue a lot of different alignment, you know, focused um, things, but I am really focused on like, do what feels best in your body and mm-hmm. give my students total freedom to um, do different things, you know, if it's different than what I'm sharing, which is very different from other lineages of yoga, you know, like you wouldn't go to a Bikram class oh, and do, not give do your own thing. <laughs> like, that's just not you would get kicked what you out, do. Seriously. Right, right. And so if you're someone who needs that, like discipline and wants to be shown exactly what to do and how to do it and be corrected, um, you know, maybe that would be uh, right for you. And if you're more so wanting to just show up how you are and take what you need and leave what you don't, and have total creative freedom, maybe vinyasa is a better fit. Um, 
all of these really stem from Hatha, Mm -hmm. Hatha yoga. That's like the parent limb of asana. And Hatha translates to effort or force. And it's about moving your body slowly and deliberately into different poses that really challenge your strength and flexibility. So another um, type of yoga is Kundalini. And Kundalini translates to, um, it's a Sanskrit adjective meaning circular or coiled. And Mm -hmm. it totally uh, makes sense because the idea with Kundalini yoga is that there's a dormant snake residing at the base of your spine. And through circular movements, through breath work, through poses, uh, you awaken this vital life force of the serpent. And as it awakens, it spirals around your chakras, your energy bodies that reside along the, your spine, all the way up to the crown of your head. And when this happens, um, you feel a surge of energy and ecstasy and very pleasurable sensations in your whole spirit. So really special. Yeah. And I just to share, I, you know, I learned about all these lineages in teacher training, but I really didn't get to explore all these asana styles until I started going to yoga festivals. I think now with YouTube growing so much, you can find a lot of access to being able to try these classes out. But I would go to festivals and get to work with teachers that specialized in each of these. I remember my first kundalini one I was like what does this even mean like what is this gonna be and I felt like elated at the end of class and I was like whoa that was a wild energy shift and it was so much more breath work than I think the average class like it had tons of focus on really hefty and quick breaths which really yeah inspired a very big energy change for me I also think when I started going to festivals was when I also got to, yeah, sit with teachers that didn't even focus on an asana practice. It was the first time I was like, okay, this is the actual, um, this is my, my chance to actually get to experience these other paths of yoga and get Mm -hmm. to see what that looks like too. So it was really beautiful to get to, yeah, go to a space where I was really getting to see the full encompass idea of yoga and what that looked like Mm -hmm. festivals are so great they're like a gathering of the vibes (laughs) it's like a little poo-poo platter of tastings of all different kinds yeah I love love for music too um yeah and you know sometimes the town that you live in may not have all of these different offerings for you to try out so a festival of course is a fantastic option you can also search on youtube Mm -hmm. there's lots of great different uh teachers um from all different styles that you can explore right there for free too Mm -hmm. so Definitely. Lots of ways to plug in. And one more type of asana that we'll share um, is yin, yin yoga. And this is a very slow moving uh, practice. Yin is um, can be translated to the moon. So there's yin and there's yang, the sun, the fire, the moon, the cooling side. It's more restorative and it encourages your body to really melt um, and relax so that you can re- have your nervous system completely release and let go and reap all of the benefits um, that come with that, like lowered stress levels, uh, better sleep, increased mood, you know, all the beautiful stuff that we all want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that uh, really concludes what we want to talk about with asana. Um, And just to summarize where this all fits from our last episode where we talked about the yamas and the niyamas and the eightfold path, asana is the third, and the remaining limbs are pranayama, pratyahara, dharana, dhyana, and samadhi. 
we promise that next season, <laughs> later in the fall, we're going to do a whole episode on pranayama and dive into the rest of the limbs a, a little bit more too to, to make it feel like you have a deeper understanding of what this all means um, and tie a bow on it. The next path of yoga that we want to dive into and share with you is bhakti yoga. Mm -hmm. So bhakti was once again first introduced to me actually at a festival. I knew it was the path of like love and it was very centered around music but I had never experienced anything like it. And it was so beautiful to get to see teachers that have focused purely on this path. It's, we would just sit in a circle and we just like sing and chant together a lot of harmoniums, which is like this, um, kind of like a little mini organ. It creates this beautiful vibrational sound and we would just sing chants together. And it was it was really powerful. It felt like it was creating a very big energy shift as well, but without having to do any movement, really just using that voice and vibration and that collective community centered around love and gathering. And I love it. And I feel like I need more of it in my life. <laughs> yes, it's it's the yoga of love, of devotion. Um, and it's, it's really beautiful. It can initially be involved with like yourself. Maybe you share this path of yoga with your friends or family. And the idea is that it creates strong emotional ties. This is where like community feels so important. This is completely like living yoga off the mat mm -hmm. um, because, you know, in the chaos of everyday life, it can feel really difficult to just focus on love mm -hmm. and be with our hearts. And yeah, it's, it's really the easiest path of yoga when you think of it that way, but it also can be hard to just like arrive at and understand what it is. And one of the uh, the first line of a Fleetwood Mac song, I think, says it really, really well to help you understand, like, the feeling of bhakti yoga. And it says, drowning in a sea of love where everyone would love to drown. Like, mm. This is bhakti yoga. It's drowning in love. I love it. And yeah, I I think the music element that is usually brought into that is something we're very much lacking now that we're kind of more of an individualistic society. We're not really coming together to do group chanting, group expression, group singing, group dancing. And I think, um, yeah, this path really kind of brings that element back that we need to be in gathering together. And yeah, that can look a little bit different in the modernized world of just expressing love and finding a sense of community. But I also really like the idea of bringing it back to gathering and singing together and I got to do a lot of the different Sanskrit chants. This is where I really learned a lot of what I would end up bringing more into my own personal meditation practice too. And I think it's beautiful. Yeah. It really is. Using our voices to channel all that love that we have inside of us and just like bring it out into the world. Mm -hmm. Share it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so moving into um, our third path of yoga, this one is karma yoga. And karma translates to action. Maybe you've heard this word before. It is one that's thrown around a lot, um, even in our everyday Western society. It's performing an action without attachment to the outcome. It's the path of selfless service. And in yoga, we call it seva. And um, I just think back to like all of the different yoga studios that I've been a part of and how they channel this karma yoga. And they do that by offering donation-based classes, free classes, 
um, different benefit classes that donate the proceeds to charities to, to give back in those ways. Yeah, and I was taught in yoga teacher training. First of all, we definitely spent a few of the days of our training, like going out and planting a bunch of trees and plants. That was our like representation of karma yoga. And yeah, we were always taught that as teachers to try to offer some form of community class that's accessible to people that maybe yeah don't have the means and resources to pay to come into a studio to make sure that our practice is encompassing giving back to the community. And so I've definitely tried to make sure that I offer a free class as a teacher on occasion so that, yeah, I can help help people get into this without having to have necessarily the means to do so. Yeah, and you may already do be doing your own form of karma yoga. Um, think about volunteering, even just donating your time, donating some money, or even just giving thanks to someone in a really deep, authentic way, um, or giving someone recognition for something amazing that they did that you valued that maybe they didn't even know about before. And thinking about love languages, you know, like uh, karma yoga is considering your partner's love language. And um, if it's something that even doesn't come naturally to you, like my partner's is uh, words of affirmation, whereas mine's is acts of service, something that we're currently working on right now. We have an alarm set in each of our phones every day. And mine says, say nice things to Kyle. funny cat too because that is the same problem I have in my relationship is Danny's top one is words of affirmation I'm a quality time girl so I assume if you're sitting beside me that we're all good and I have to intentionally let myself say nice things to Danny because otherwise he doesn't feel loved and I've decided to learn that and that is part of karma yoga absolutely (laughs) so simple simple ways to like think about this in your everyday life absolutely And then our final limb is Gyana Yoga. Sorry, final path. And Gyana Yoga, you can think of this, it's um, the path of knowledge or wisdom. It means um, trying to achieve enlightenment through the process of reason, deciphering what's true for you versus what's not true, unboxing yourself through self-study and self-inquiry, things that we talk about a lot here on the pod. Absolutely. I think, yeah the the what would fall into shadow work and like wound healing looking at the depths of yourself and kind of thinking through it I think I've spent a lot of time on this and it is a way yeah to release the ego and it's just yeah self-reflection we teach we've taught a lot of tools on the podcast for how you can delve into why you do what you do and kind of think about the root behind certain actions and behaviors and that intentional way of thinking it can be It can be tiring to have to go into that kind of reflection, but the result of doing that type of work ends up leaving you a lot lighter, a lot more intentional, and a lot more conscious as you move through your day to day. Mm, Yes. And it's funny with Gyana Yoga, it's said to be the most difficult path because it uses your mind to go beyond yourself to realize that you're one with the divine. So it's acknowledging the ego, noticing when it creeps up and gets really loud and kind of gets in your way saying like, oh, this isn't fair. Why me? It's smashing that belief. It's identifying it first and then moving beyond it and understanding that like we are all one. We are all here together as a collective moving through the the same things and unlearning so that we can return to what's true. 
Uh, so that's kind of the over summary of the four paths of yoga, just keeping it kind of brief. I think, you know, I think it's important to know these original paths. I think yoga has so often shifted towards a kind of physical practice that it's really important to know as you start a practice, which we both obviously highly recommend to get on your yoga mat and start exploring some of these concepts because it can make such a profound benefit on your life. But I think it's important to know that there is ways to do yoga without actually doing a asana class and that there is these different um, lineages that deserve to be looked at, reflected upon. And it's important to know that we don't want to lose in the evolution of yoga. We don't want to lose these roots because these roots are really where the practice has been brought to us in the here and now. Yeah, the evolution of the origins of these four paths is really, really cool to see how it's all transpired. And all of these paths lead to quote unquote enlightenment, Mm -hmm. peace, joy, freedom. And they're like four different strands woven together to form the same rope. They're all strengthened by the others. It's not to say that one is better than the other. And you get to choose which aspects of each path really resonate with you and begin to incorporate them into your greater life. And Just look for joy in your daily practice and let it guide you. Yep. So get on YouTube, start playing with some of these types. Let us know how it is working for your life or which ones like actually resonate with you and why. We'd love to hear from you. And we hope that you're starting to get a bigger picture of what this yoga thing is all about. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And um, if you are looking for ways to deepen your practice, we are super excited to announce (laughs) 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 our newest retreat together. Yay. Yay. (laughs) We're so lame. I love it. So in October, Columbus Day weekend, October 7th to the 10th, we will be hosting a retreat, the second official Awaken Together retreat in St. Augustine, Florida. We are going for a witchy theme where we're going to explore chanting, magic, goddess energies, so many of the beautiful shadow sides and incorporating that with the light. We have like the most fun schedule planned and St. Augustine is such a cool area because it is believed to be kind of like haunted that there's like some fun energy there so we're gonna really explore a lot of different concepts and even with the fun witch theme we're still gonna do a lot of self-reflecting you can always leave a retreat feeling a little bit lighter and that you connected more dots for your life that is our goal yes it's, it's gonna be really really incredible like we're super excited about it the Airbnb that we've rented is beautiful uh-huh. so please check it out we'd love um, to hear what questions you have and um, you are hearing it first here on the podcast we have not yet opened it up to the public and we're expecting this one to fill up pretty quickly because there's been a lot of interest mm-hmm. so you can check it out on our Instagram pages mine is Katarina O. Erickson um, and then Jen's is at Sensible Wellness. Mm-hmm. And we have the links in our bio. You can uh, check it out. It goes right to my website, Catalyst Living, and the booking section right there. So you can learn more, see what it costs, how to sign up, and we're here for you if you have any questions and we'll love to learn your thoughts. And as always, go and rate the podcast. Continue to help us get the message out. We appreciate all of the love and support, and we will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.